Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Back, oh, I'm back actually after last week. And hats off to Raj and Ed for taking the wheels and taking the reins um, of last week's podcast. They're a sterling job, boys. So thank you very much for that. So we're back, kind of looking forward to the next season, actually, looking forward to 2021 um, a little bit this week. Um, just kind of a little gloss over a, co- a whole bunch of topics, really top 25, Heisman candidates, some big games coming up. And then we'll kind of cover all these topics in more detail later on. But yeah, I think, as we mentioned before, just um, back on UK time now after the draft weekend and obviously had a few times to recover. Obviously, we're all getting a bit old now. We we're all pushing 30, if not over it. So uh, not, not these spring chickens anymore. Um, but yeah, when I hand over to, to Kieran, obviously we had some sad news in the college football world um, and big player that you're, you're a big fan of uh, has passed away, no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, we had the sad news that... Um... Colt Brennan passed away. Everyone knows him as the legendary Hawaii quarterback. An electric player who never really got the right chance in the league. Obviously, everyone knows him for his record-setting season, 58 touchdowns, 12 picks, and that was in 2006. Played in 2007 as well. Got drafted in the sixth round by the Washington football team, but after what can only be described as an electric preseason, never got the chance to see the field. And Obviously, his career was marred with some horrible things like he, he had a car crash uh, and things like that, which sadly may have affected his behavior. And he, he struggled a lot after that. But it, it, it's just sad to see a man pass away. He was 37. You know what I mean? That's, that's only 10 years older than me. And a, a guy who was such an electric, electric athlete and so beloved by everyone in Hawaii and uh, at that college is so sad to see this man gone so early. And yeah, I think the whole college football world sort of mourned this because he was such, I can see Liam not long, he was such like a beloved figure in college football. And if you go back and watch him play, he was so much fun to watch play. And the amount of records he holds in college football, I'm just going to list you some some now. And this is playing with Hawaii back when they were in the WAC conference. So, you know, not especially great competition, but also not especially the, the strongest team. He's the second uh, all-time most career touchdowns, 146. And that's in uh whole of the NCAA record for most 400 yard games. He had 20, which is unreal. He tied the NCAA record for most career touchdown passes by a quarterback, which he achieved uh, in 2007, uh, the two-season record for most touchdown passes with 96. Eighth all-time for passing efficiency, a uh, 186. Uh, most points responsible for in NCAA. Second all-time highest pass completion, which was 70.4%, which is just unreal. And he also finished fourth in all-time career touchdown passes with I think Case Keenum actually holds that record. And he was sixth all-time in passing yards in NCAA with 14,193. So, and he he held the single-season touchdown record until 2019. He truly was one of the best to ever do it, whether he was from a small school or not. Colt Brennan really was a legend of the college football game. Yeah, no, it's a really nice uh, little tribute there. Obviously, putting out all these records and things like that, obviously some of them will be uh, long shots to get beaten for a long, long time, I'd imagine. And we all remember the bleach blonde hair 
with a dyed black outline of Hawaii, which was one of the most electric hairstyles in college football. I will say that. And the swag he had on field with his visor and the armbands and the sleeves, no one did it better than Colt Brennan at college football. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like, I don't know, Leach Bonterra thought you were going to say that you're going to kind of make a tribute to it, bring it back and things like that. Then. I, I can't pull that off out of respect. <laughs> I will probably not never bleach my hair again, at least for the next month. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, rest in peace. And obviously like our thoughts and, and, and things like that with, uh, with families and, and friends. So let's talk about some football then. Um, obviously, we've got top 25 pre-season. Like I said to the guys as we came on, there isn't really an official top 25, but I just kind of got it off uh, off ESPN. I thought that was like kind of the most kind of go-to for a lot of people. Shock at number one on ESPN at the moment is Oklahoma. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I know that Spencer Rattler, I know Kieran's like shaking his head and things like that, but that's a bit of a shock for, for me. Um, I, I won't go ahead and reel off the whole 25. I guess we're going to kind of talk about it. Or do you guys need me to reel off the top 25? I don't know if you've seen it or anything like that. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. So we've got Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State to make the top five. Iowa State, which I thought was a, a bit of a shock, but maybe we'll get into that at number six. Uh, Texas A&M, UNC, Cincinnati, and Oregon round out the top 10. Um, and then we go into Indiana, another high entry. Um, Notre Dame, USC, Iowa, and Washington uh, make the top 15. Louisiana, so LSU, not even the best school in the state at the moment. Wow, we'll get into that, I'm sure, later on. Florida at 17, Wisconsin at 18, Old Miss, LSU, the lowly 20th seed at the moment. And then Coastal, uh, heroes from last year, obviously. Texas, who I might actually big up a little bit, which will be strange for me. Penn State at 23, Arizona State at 24, and then Miami at 25. Like I say, a few, few shocks in there. I mean, let's start right at the top. Like, what makes this Oklahoma team number one at the moment over Alabama? Kieran, go ahead. <laughs> We're trying to big them up no, at the moment, mate. No, no it is it's literally AP bias. We see this every over single Alabama. season. For Oklahoma, because they're a blue blood school. I know um, Alabama is as well, but everyone sort of, you know, loves schools like Oklahoma, where they're a blue blood dynasty and they always have good quarterbacks and stuff like this. It's, it's always ridiculous that we get guys like these in the, the top 25 when realistically not, not cutting it. I think Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, <coughs> sorry, uh, and I know, maybe Oklahoma, but they're definitely not number one. It is paining you not to be able to say LSU this year, isn't it? <laughs> I can't because of last season. If I if I was, I think we deserve top ten just because of like the people we've got coming back, and I genuinely believe we could sit at ten comfortably. But then I feel like teams like Cincinnati would have to be ahead of us. Um, but I I don't see Oklahoma as number one. Top five, yeah, but. Number one, especially after how Alabama played last year, and they've got Bryce Young coming in at quarterback, who is arguably leaps and bounds above Tua and Mac Jones and Jalen Hurd. And then you've, yeah, it just doesn't make sense that Oklahoma's number one, given the amount of great teams that are, are ahead of them, that are in the rankings behind them. I love, I love getting into speak this early. Andy, obviously, the other guys weren't here this time last year. This is where we get all the hot takes that we kind of hold over him for the rest of the year. He was proper scrambling there. As soon as he realised that he couldn't put in someone like really small at number one, he started backpedaling immediately, chucked Alabama <laughs> and everyone into that conversation. <laughs> I, I think, I just think it's a bad ranking. I think 
I think Oklahoma do great until about their eighth game of the season when they have to face a little bit tougher competition, like maybe a Clemson, maybe a LSU, maybe a Alabama. Uh, uh, and the, the LSU game would probably be a lot closer than I like to admit, but against guys like Alabama and Georgia and stuff, they're just going to get absolutely stomped on. Just with all the um, kind of top returning quarterbacks, though, like he's got the Rattler's got the best surrounding cast at Oklahoma. That's why he's there, isn't it? That's the that's mm. the reason. Yeah, I can't wait to see that connection between Rattler and Marvin Mims again this season. Obviously, Mims was a true freshman last year, and he just he's so explosive, and like he's only going to get better this season with that connection with Rattler. And um, yeah, for me, I have Oklahoma as number one, and and. I have a big question mark on Alabama because how many weapons they've lost, especially on offense. Um, Mac Jones has obviously had the luxury of having uh, Smith and, and Waddle already sort of carrying over from last year, whereas this year, who's who's wide receiver one for Alabama? Uh, John Mechie. I know he's not in the same league as he's not in the same league as Smith and Waddle, and they're going to have to rely a bit more on uh, Billingsley to be sort of a receiving threat at tight end, and it's and it's a completely new offense with. Uh, Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator in Alabama and um, yeah and even the running back situation it's it, there's no standout running back there I, I don't think next year I think it's going to be a running back by committee um, obviously Brian Robinson is, 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 is number one slated to be the next running back to, to sort of step up but yeah and even their offensive line there's three there's three holes that they've got to fill in this year and Evan Neal's going to move from left, right tackle to left tackle as well so there's so many moving pieces in that offense I just I think that's the question mark I have with Alabama this year. Um, and it might just take a year or so for that offense to gel and bed before, before, before next year because the, Sark, the, Sark, the Sarkeesian offense is very different from what I think what Bill O'Brien's going to implement. When we uh, concluded last season, I said Oklahoma would be uh, one to watch, although I agree that I think number one might be a little bit rich at the moment, but I can I can see why. And the Big 12 sounds like it's back, doesn't it? Did you say Iowa State are at six? I agree with you that um, Texas, I think, might be looking at moving up those rankings as the season goes on as well. Um, yeah, that uh, Oklahoma offense is going to be uh, going to be fun to watch. I think Rattler's going to be QB one throughout the season. Um, I actually like Jamie Hazelwood more than I like Marvin Mims at wide receiver as well. I really love Hazelwood. Can't wait to see what he does this season. Um, the defense step is steps up last season. Will step up even more this season. Um, yeah, I agree. Maybe it's a bit of a surprise, but I like it. I like Oklahoma starting at number one. Yeah, it gets people talking, doesn't it? Yeah, go ahead, Ed. Yeah, I back that up. I think Oklahoma are going to be number one right now because we know what they are to an extent with Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. They've all lost these top-tier quarterbacks. We know what this Oklahoma offense is going to be. Their defense hasn't lost a great deal. I know they lost Ronnie Perkins, the driver. They've still got Nick Benito there. Yeah, they, They're a known quantity here and you know texas year one new coach uh we don't know what they're going to be iowa state you know oklahoma should beat them so that conference looks like they could be a slate to go unbeaten and then put that puts them automatically in the playoffs and that's so much easier than saying oh alabama bryce young can carry them straight away year one having lost all of their weapons uh same with you know her staff to replace justin fields and a load of players from that team um, I, if one thing I like out of those teams that I consider putting ahead of Oklahoma would be Clemson, because we we've seen DJ Uyangalale already. 
you know, he was in that Notre Dame game. I know they lost, but he was incredible. They had no running game. Travis Etienne was averaging, I think, less than two yards a carry in that game. And he kept them in it all the way. He was absolutely incredible. So if I'm going to put anyone, you know, in front of Oklahoma, I think it'd be them. I know they've lost Jackson Carmen at left tackle. They've lost a couple of other guys as well. But you know, I think Clemson and one Clemson would be the other team for me to watch because Uwe Anglale, we we've seen him play already. Uh, and he's playing in an offense that we know is very callback friendly. So if I was going to put anyone ahead of it, it would be it would be Clemson. But I think Oklahoma are just number one right now because we we know who they are. We've seen what they do, and there's that there's that natural upward curve that we should see Spencer Rattler go through because I think I think to me it's relatively obvious that he's the best quarterback in next year's draft, and I think he looks like he's going to you know solidify that because he's got that star talent in a very good offense. Mm. So coming on to like Iowa State, Ed, sorry, you did a fist pump when I mentioned Iowa State at number six. What's all what's all that about? I mean, I I said at the end of the the last year's well before we kind of got into our draft content, I said that Iowa State was a bit of a sleeper. I didn't expect them to come in at number six, so I think I'm on board with it. But why why are you why are you so for Iowa State? I think Iowa State. I mean, firstly, they've they've done incredibly the last couple of years, you know, under Matt Campbell. I'm surprised he didn't get an NFL job this year. I don't know how much his interest would have been in a team like the Jets or something like that. Obviously, Robert Sutter is probably probably a better choice. But he's a guy who I'm surprised wasn't more on the NFL radar. I think he will be next year. But you've got a returning quarterback in Brock Purdy, who's a multi-year starter. Obviously, had a rough start to last year. But apart from that, you know, as the year went on, as they got back from the pandemic, then you know he improved a lot. You've got Charlie Kolar, who I think is probably the best tight end in college football, maybe other than the Texas A&M guy. as a Murtomire. His name escapes me. But, you know, they've got a really good tight end there. Uh, you know, and, and they're just well coached uh, and they've got good talent there. They haven't lost a lot of great deal, obviously, with Brock Buddy coming back. So, you know, I think they're, they're again, they're a team that they, they were, you know, they beat Texas last year. Uh, you know, they did really well in that conference. They got to the conference championship. You know, for me, they're a team that will be in the conference championship again this year. I see them beating at least one of Oklahoma and Texas. I think they're that good a team. And then it's kind of one game into the college football playoff isn't it? Because, you know, their, their schedule isn't really too rough this year. I've got it up. I mean, they're, they're not facing, they've got Oklahoma State, Baylor. Um, oh, sorry, I think this is the Cincinnati schedule. I've got up. No, this, this is Oklahoma. But I, they, they've got an easy enough schedule um, this year, Iowa State. They've got, uh, I think they've got Northern Iowa, Iowa and UNLV to start the year. Those should be three wins. And then you've got Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma TCU. I just see them beating the majority of those teams. It's not a particularly tough conference to be in. So I think they're a good bet. And if you're having like a long shot bet, I don't know how long shot they are on the odds, but if you're going to long shot bet anyone for the college football playoff, I think Iowa State are that team because you've seen them win before. They're returning a lot of talent. They're returning a coaching staff. You know, really the only threat they're going to have is facing Oklahoma. And it is, a, in a way, a game against Oklahoma. So that's going to be tough. But you know, I think they're going to be right up there. So I, I don't think sixth is rich. That's, I think that's as far as I'd go because I don't quite have the star power of an Clemson or a, you know, a higher state or anything. But I think that's where they rightfully belong because they've proven how good they are to us. I mean, they're ahead of Oregon. They beat Oregon in their bowl game, obviously. So I think they're perfectly you know, reasonable to be there. Yeah, I'd agree. And obviously, we've got Brees Hall at running back as well. He's going to be, yeah, you know, come on to, we'll come on to Heisman and things like that. Maybe he's got an outside bet. I know it's mainly a quarterback award and things like that, but he's going to light up again this year, most likely. 
and like you say, it's a bit of a three-horse race, isn't it, in the, in the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma. And I think they'll all be pretty good, actually. So I think it should be quite exciting. As Liam mentioned earlier, the Big 12's kind of coming back a little bit after a down year. And it's definitely a down year in the draft when they didn't have a first-round player in the whole conference. Um, Ed kind of touched on it about um, them having Brock Purdy come back. But there, there's three teams right now in the Big 12 that aren't potentially going through, like, quarterback battles like you're going to get Ohio State and LSU and everything <clears throat> Casey Thompson at Texas Brock Purdy at um, or Iowa State and then oh shit how do I forget a team name but but base, uh, Spencer Rattler that's the one at Oklahoma you've got these three teams now in Big 12 that all know who their quarterback is going forward and are potentially not going to have any battles or controversy going forward this season. And I think those three teams are really going to be battling out um, to make it into the college football playoffs because they are three very good teams. And I hate giving Texas, Texas and Oklahoma this much props, but they've both got great starting quarterbacks and you know, the supporting cast vary, but all three of these quarterbacks are very, very good at what they do. And I think they're going to be the deciding factors on who makes it to the college football playoffs. And I think Texas, Iowa State and Oklahoma all have an equally good chance of making the college football playoffs this year because they all have such good quarterbacks and they all have fairly good rosters. Yeah, and also that's the other thing about it is like, you look at the other teams, Baylor are going through this, a horrible Matt Rule rebuild that's going to take two or three years. TCU have obviously got Max Duggan. That'll be their guy next year. And he's going to, he, I think he'll be good. But then they've lost all that quality quality in their secondary with Ardarius Washington and Trevor Murray going to the NFL. So, you know, they, they, they might have scrappy teams in that division. Um, but, you know, Oklahoma State, they, they've lost Tyler Wallace, their, their best guy. So there'll be some scrappy teams in there. But there's a very clear top three there. I don't see any of the other teams really bothering that. The other thing about these three teams that we're just talking about in the Big 12 is they've all got great coaching staffs as well. Like I think Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski at Texas is going to be an absolute dynamite duo. I think they'll, Sark- they'll really Sarkeesian elevate. did the Alabama reload thing. Mm. We go to Alabama and then piss money for a year under Nick Saban and then you come back looking like Steve Rogers when he's he's been injected with the super serum and run these super high powered offenses that you seem to get from Nick Saban he's got a guy in Casey Thompson who's very sort of similar to Bryce Young in a way so look we, we saw him last season at the end of last season he looked fantastic he he was heads and shoulders above Sam Ellinger everyone's favorite fullback um, and I know you sort of get a, pl- a bit of pleasure in that Lee but Casey Thompson looks like the guy at Texas now. And I think anyone who's seen him play and seen what he's done in his free games, he's by far the only guy who's competing with Spencer Rattler and Brock Purdy in the Big 12 right now. I was just going to say, man, it's not even set that Thompson's the, the guy at Texas. So he's got Hudson Card uh, up against him, who's like proper dual threat. Really exciting to watch some of his uh, high school tape. If you if you're into that sort of thing, he's all over the place. Um, like really electric. I, I quite liked like comparing him to someone like Ian Book, but like it, like you know on on steroids sort of thing. He's so much quicker, but also loves getting out of the pocket and doing stuff out there and getting a bit creative. So yeah, Texas got like I don't know why they stuck with Ellinger for so long. We've already we kind of <laughs> uh, insulted him for, for too much of this podcast <laughs> last year, didn't we? But um, but when you've got these two guys sat in the in the in the wings, it's like going to be really interesting to watch them this year. Yeah, hundred percent. 
So moving moving a little bit up, obviously you've got Texas A and M as we mentioned. I think they'll they'll do pretty well in the SEC this year. Got a lot of talent on their their roster at the moment, and it's all kind of maturing at the same time. They'll I think they'll send a lot of players to the NFL draft. After that, obviously we've got Cincinnati at number nine, as we mentioned. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into them. Um, and then you've got a little glut of of Pac-12 teams from ten to ten to fifteen with Oregon, USC, and Washington. Out of that little group, there is there anyone? Apart from we've already mentioned Iowa State, maybe Texas A&M, I've just kind of mentioned, is anyone that you think out of that group that can make a little burst into that and challenge? Obviously, there's always one team, isn't it, that challenges for the college football playoff. Is there anyone out of that group that can come from the back? Kieran's going Cincinnati. to say Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati. Look, Luke Fickle has done an amazing job with Cincinnati. I don't think anyone sort of expected. I know last year was under different circumstances and it was a lot of in-conference stuff, but I feel like they still overachieved. Like I know UCF isn't the powerhouse they were a couple years ago when they went on an absolute tear, but Cincinnati really looked like the best team in that division. And I, I, I harped on it so much, but I was potentially, if they can continue this upward trend for the next three or four years, I think it would actually benefit them moving to a power five conference like the big 10, because there's teams that don't belong in the big 10. That's just, there's a couple of teams in there that you could potentially eh, not not quite doing well in there. And Cincinnati, if they can continue this upward trend, especially with Luke Fickle, and if they make a go at the playoffs, are really looking to be like one of these uh, rest of five teams that are really going to shake it up. Now, I know they looked decidedly average against a decidedly mediocre Georgia team, um, but... Not that many people care about bowl games in college football. It's all about the regular season uh, and the playoffs. But uh, I just think Cincinnati right now is a rest of... They're probably the best team that's not in a Power 5 conference right now. They've got a couple of early-ish games against what you'd say is decent Big Ten Power 5 competition in Indiana and Notre Dame, and they go to both of those in away games as well. So If, if they can those beat in Indiana... And hang with Notre Dame. I think that really sets them apart from every, everyone else in sort of non-Power 5 schools. Because Notre Dame last year, I know they don't have Ian Burke and they're missing some players coming back. But Notre Dame is always a very good team in college football. Like the name of... But I think Indiana, they just absolutely wipe the floor of them. Big shout. Big I don't shout. know if they... I, I mean, Indiana are a good team. You know, I think that'll be the big test because Notre Dame obviously are losing a lot from last year. I mean, Ian Book, I don't think is actually the big miss because Jack Cohn's coming in from Wisconsin. I, I don't really think there's actually going to be a huge deal of difference there, apart from the fact it's his first year of the team because, you know, we, we, Ian Book was obviously a fourth-round draft pick, but I don't know what the Saints were seeing because I've watched him for a number of years. I have a lot of, I have a lot of love for Ian Book as a Notre Dame fan, but I genuinely don't think we're going to miss a great deal there with, with Jack Cohn. I, I, he's a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. He can run the offense. You know, the, the offensive line will be, you know, it will be the big issue. Um, you're missing Tommy Tremble as well. And then there's Jeremiah Usikuramoa leaving. So you know, there, there, are, there are issues for Notre Dame to deal with. And that's a nice run for, for Cincinnati because they're playing those two games. They play Miami of Ohio. I think they play Murray State. And then they play those two games before they go into their conference schedule and UCF have just lo- lost loads of secondary talent. And the secondary was the one thing that somehow held them together, even though it was dreadful watching them actually play. Um, so I think, you know, that they're a team who could go undefeated and I don't think it would be a huge surprise for them to do so. I'd expect them to, I, I bet against, I bet them, you know, against Indiana, I think it'd be a tough game for them, but I, you know, I bet they could do it. 
going to South Bend's a different issue because however bad Notre Dame might be coming off this year, going to South Bend is a different proposition. So I'm I'm not sure if they're going to win, win that game, but they'll push them hard. And if if they were to you know win, go undefeated, they were to beat Notre Dame, Indiana, I don't know how you would keep them out of the college football playoffs. I don't know how you could because it's a whole you know thing going undefeated you know a non-power five conference it's a whole different thing going undefeated against your your conference and against two potentially top 10 teams so i think we should sleep on cincinnati because the, you know they have lost james hudson they lost another couple of guys to draft but you know they've got a really good quarterback a really really good quarterback returning for a you know another year as a starter which is going to be absolutely huge for Desmond Ritter I know he's a personal favorite of mine I think he'll, I think he might go in the first round next year I think he's that good and then you've also got on the defensive side which they're real strong they've got MyJ Sanders who's an edge who you know is a really exciting prospect and you've got Armour Gardner as a corner who's also very good and I think he slept on so they've got a lot of talent there and I think they would have to go undefeated to get into the college football playoff. But I don't think it's impossible. It's just that one game against Notre Dame, which is a weakened Notre Dame side that isn't South Bend. So, How do you think their defense is going to look now? They've lost Marcus Freeman because he was kind of, you know, I wanted him to come to LSU, but the things he did with that defense last year were absolutely extraordinary. Do you think that hurts them any? I, I don't, I think, I think it's always tough going from one coach to another uh, you know, especially on the defensive side, but Luke Fickle, you know, really, really knows what he's doing. He's worked a lot, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. He was um, co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State for all those years under under Urban Meyer. So, you know, he's very much a, he's very much a, a great tactician on the defensive side as well. So, you know, obviously you're losing you know a great defensive coordinator, but. When it's Luke Fickle, I think that eases the blow somewhat. And when you're keeping, in my opinion, the two best defensive starters in in Marge Sanders and Alma Gardner, I, I don't think it's going to impact them too much. I think my worry would be the the loss of you know guys on the offense. They've lost both their tackles. Obviously, James Hudson's the draft. I think the other guy transferred. So you got to replace that, and then you've got to get a new running back in there. And yeah, so that, that for me, though the, the offense is more the the issue, but I think you're just going to bet that another year of Desmond Ridder, who I I don't think is you know if he again if they beat Indiana and Notre Dame, don't see them in the Heisman. Um, that's that's the key. If they can get the offense running and they can keep that defense to the standard they they've set, then they'll be dangerous. Yeah, because Desmond Ridder wasn't a stat stuffer, but he made some incredible plays and some incredible throws last year, which. Like, like I said, the stat sheet wasn't exactly lighting up, but when Cincinnati needed big plays, he made big plays. And that's what I think sets them apart from some other quarterbacks with better stats who are losing games. Yeah, and they've also got a guy called Evan Prater, who's their backup quarterback, their second quarterback, who's the highest recruit in Cincinnati history, I believe. So the fact that Desmond Ridder's going back shows, A, that he believes this team can go further, and B, that the coaching staff, you know, believed in him so much that he can get better, that he can prove to a standard there, willing to set Evan Prater another year to sit. And I think Prater will stay. He'll stick through. He's still with a starter in 2022. And by all accounts, he's absolutely fine with that. But it's a coup getting rid of back when you probably wouldn't have been a day two quarterback. I think he would probably be in that Mond, Trask, uh, Mills range, I think. I, I don't know how people saw him, but I think he'd be in that kind of range. Mm-hmm. But... The fact he's coming back probably, you know, catapults him into into a higher 
echelon quarterback. So yeah, it, it's interesting because it, you know it, these these those two games against Indiana and Notre Dame so early in the season are, are, are huge, and we'll learn so much from them. But yeah, I think Desmond Desmond Ritter could be in for a proper breakout. I know we all know him. I know we all love him, but a proper breakout where he gets that absolutely big win and kind of cements his yeah you know cements his legacy because if they beat Notre Dame in South Bend I think that'll probably be the biggest win in Cincinnati football history to be, to be frankly on you know frank with it so yeah it's it's a big season for him all right let's um, let's move on because we don't want to spend all, all day talking about this top 25 I just want to bring in one little thing though just before we move on just Florida sitting at number 17 obviously lost a whole bunch of talent and they're usually you know ranked higher than this maybe it's quite a fair ranking well, there's been an awful lot of talk about Emery Jones. PFF putting him in their way too early mock draft in the top 10 or something like that. This isn't right, is it? Let's just dispel this myth. Can someone just tell joke. me that this is wrong? It's a joke. He's not good. It's <laughs> no. just not. I but then again, someone drafted I don't see what Canarius the hate is Tony. I think he's... I, I, like, we haven't seen enough of him to form an opinion, so I'm not going to say like this guy's a, a first-round draft pick or anything, but from what we've seen when he was you know, standing in for Trask, I think that this offense has stuff to work with. I, I don't think Emory Jones will be the issue. I think the issue will be the supporting cast because they've lost you know, a lot of guys at Pitts, Tony, uh, even Grimes, and then guys in the, you know, the offensive line, Stone Forsyth, the best tackle in the draft. So, you know, you're missing a lot of time there. But I think Emory Jones is fine. And we've seen, we've seen enough of him to be a proper dual threat guy. And I think you know, if they get the right talent into that offense with him in the next year or so, I don't see why he couldn't be a very dynamic quarterback. Liam, did you want to come in on that? Just, just going to add that it's Emory Jones season, and I think <laughs> you're for it. I, I look, yeah, I, I, he kind of had that the the Justin Fields role that Justin Fields had when he was at Georgia of coming in every few plays and not getting the chance to get a good run going and. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does. He's going to have a good offensive line that help him. Good run game. They didn't lose too much uh, to the draft in that area. I think that they. I think that that's where kind of his uh, the people that are bigging him up. I think that's where they're coming from. I think he's got a good supporting cast to help him. It's a good situation for him. If you can't beat out Felipe Franks and then you can't beat out Kyle Trask, are we good? I don't know. It just seems a bit rich to me. And obviously it's PFF. So they're, they're after people talking about it. I fell headfirst into their trap in, in that, what I've just done. But I just wanted to bring it up because it's not It, it did feel like the last couple of years were the Gators' chance to really peak and to really challenge Bammer in the SEC and challenge the playoff places and a chance at a national championship. I think that, like Ed just said, with the amount that they've lost and everything, it's kind of more of a rebuild, especially defensively at the moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, no, I'm sure obviously it'll change. It'll change before we get started with the season many times. But, you know, just to touch base on it, and obviously we've got a few few grievances to air and obviously a few, few teams that we actually quite like as well. I'm just glad as well, another little grievance of mine, a little personal pet peeve, is that Michigan just get an automatic ranking every single year, and I'm glad they've not, you know, at this stage. Usually I'm, I'm clubbing Texas in with that one, but I can't actually understand the Texas hype this year a little bit. Um, for the reasons that we've we've talked about, um, but obviously we've got a lot of big clashes between these potentially, you know, big top twenty-five teams. And um, Liam, you spotted like a, a few anomalies in the in the uh, scheduling to, for for some really interesting games that are coming up. So I'm just hand it over to you for this one. The thing that 
I am really looking forward to this year is the uh, the non-conference games, uh, non-conference football being back. Mm. And uh, it's, you know, obviously because of the COVID hit season and we had conferences starting at different times and uh, the schedules were the, all remained in conference. It's one of the thing, themes for this season that get me excited. And then I kind of decided to kind of, because I noticed a couple of have a look at um, uh, first time games and uh, I got like quite excited noticing a few of them. So I wanted to kind of just go through a few uh, chronologically. So um, week one, which is uh, Saturday the 4th of September, there's a, um, this is uh, SEC against Pac-12, um, LSU at UCLA, uh, which has never happened before. And one for Kieran. And um, it's going to be, yeah, that's LSU's first game of the season. Um, UCLA have got a home game at Hawaii uh, week zero, so that'll be their second game. But uh, I thought it was just interesting that those two uh, colleges have never played before. Um, just the thought of Ed Orgeron and Chip Kelly on the, the sidelines and... Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson against that LSU defence is going to be some intrigue in that game, I think. I think it's a really good one. And again, um, the first time that they've uh, they've ever played. Um, the same week, um, two of the best uh, group of five teams um, playing. And again, the first time that they've ever played. And um, Boise State at UCF, which, uh, like, that's going to be one of the highlights of week one for me. That's uh, I really like the sound of that. Um Hank Backmire and Dylan Gabriel are going to be the two quarterbacks in that one. Um, Gus Malzahn's first game as UCF head coach. Um, and two group of five teams that are obviously group of five powerhouses that I really like. And the fact that they've, they're going to, uh, they're going to play each other really like the sound of it. Um, week three, uh, which uh, on Saturday, 18th of September, uh, Stanford and Vanderbilt um, stood out to me as two of the smartest academic schools and never played each other um stanford quarterback situation is going to be interesting now that davis mills has, has moved on to um probably become houston texans uh quarterback now that deshaun watson's uh, career has gone down the pan um i think jack west is probably going to be the starter at stanford um it just stood out again the fact they've never played before two big academic schools i think it's a really good fixture um Moving on, week seven, uh, Saturday, 16th of October, um, uh, Army uh, visit Wisconsin. Um, never played each other before. I thought that was a really good matchup. Um, I'm guessing that the over-under is going to be 23 and a half for that. It's going to be like, it's just going to be a battle in the trenches, isn't it? It's just going to be no uh, no points throughout that one. Um, Wisconsin have played Air Force and Navy in their time, and this is the first time they're going to be playing the Army, so complete the the set there um and uh one more to mention which i think is probably going to be the tastiest for a few reasons uh week 10 on the 6th of november um liberty uh visiting old miss and uh, they've played each other i love whoever decided to arrange this one because it's uh hugh freeze the liberty head coach going back to old miss he had what was it four or five years there um going to be taking on lane kiffin love that idea and um, Malik Willis and Matt Corral as the two quarterbacks. Um, yeah, Liberty have never beaten an SEC team. Um, this is going to be their chance to do it, and it's going to be um, a mad game. Uh, so I just wanted to throw some of those out there, just especially as their first-time games, which I always find especially interesting. But I think some of those games are going to be excellent. 
It's great, isn't it? It's great how these schedules are made so many years in advance and then you just get these, the stars align almost with, like you say, Malik Willett and uh, Matt Carr facing off against each other and, like you say, the, the coaching uh, matchup as well. So, yeah, no, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, yeah, there's obviously a lot, a lot of big games. Um, one that really caught my eye in week two was Oregon-Ohio State. Obviously, we were supposed to have the reverse fixture this last year. It's a bit of a shame. It feels like it's not going to be as good as it would have been in, in 2020, but... It's still going to be one that's going to wet the appetite. Obviously, this is over in Ohio rather than it being in Oregon as well. So um, there's going to be a lot of NFL talent on the on the field there. Um, I'm thinking especially between um, the tackles of Ohio State and then Caleb on Thibodeau as well. He's going to get his first real um, sort of stretching his legs of the season against that Ohio State offensive line. So yeah, it should be should be a real good one. And obviously the, the intrigue of who's actually going to be starting under centre for Ohio State as well against a good Oregon defence overall. You know, CJ Stroud is probably in the... The pole position, but obviously a very young quarterback um, as it is. Obviously, you know, a lot of these big schools now are going to these young guys, aren't they, all at the same time? Some of which are really sort of um, highly thought of, but some less so. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see this kind of new era of college football because I don't know what you guys feel like. I don't feel like there's like a face of college football anymore now that Trevor Lawrence is not not in the, in the mix anymore because he's kind of been who everyone's been talking about for the past like three years. And now I don't know who it is really. Might be an article. I think people are looking at guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and Sam Howe and these. So I know they're not as electric names as Trevor Lawrence, but they're, they're names that crop up very often and, and names that people are excited to see. I mean, I think we have a face of college football still, but it's a few guys now rather than Trevor Lawrence, the front runner, and then guys like Zach Wilson sneaking up late in the season. I feel like that would be the same this season. You'll have the few front runners. Then you'll have sort of some surprises sneak up as the season goes on. Hmm. Oh, Derek Stingley as well, obviously. <laughs> obviously can't, can't get a podcast about chucking him in he's there. The, he's the number one cornerback in the country. You can't ignore that. Any advances on any Who wants to wind him up? <laughs> Because you know, no, I'm one, right. no one's taken back. Yeah, to be fair, you probably are. To be fair, you probably are. Well, he's, he's, he's lucky Devontae Smith isn't isn't in college anymore. He's not a cornerback either, so don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, any advances for any other games that anyone's looking out for or watching out for? Uh, man, it's pretty probably quite a boring one. Seeing it's just a conference game, but um, I'm really excited to watch uh, Boston College uh, play Clemson, and that's like week five in the season. And if you look at uh, Boston College's first four games and the talent they've got, they could be four and zero at that point, and um, could be quite like an enticing game. That 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 kind of um, solid offensive line that Boston College have got with Phil Jerkovich behind and and um, Zay Flowers is going to be really. For me, as a, like an ACC guy, it's going to be really interesting to watch that. Um, and I think, like, I, I do think that Clemson might kind of struggle into the first few games as they're trying to get some chemistry um, rolling together. So, you know, if Boston College are unbeaten at that point, it'd be a nice little matchup. Um, I'm sure Clemson will, will, will just walk all over Florida State before that as well. So, <laughs> looking forward to looking forward to that bit. Yeah, no, they are. They're looking quite solid, aren't they? Boston College after bringing all that offensive line back. I think we'll just kind of make a little sound out for the, the listeners here. You're going to be talking about Zay Flowers a lot aren't they, aren't this year, aren't you? Yeah. We've, like, we've just, seen a few clips on Twitter so far, haven't we, and things like that. Yeah, 100%, mate. It's, uh, I'm just hyped for him. He's got everything that I like to see in the wide receiver. He's just like an absolutely electric guy. Um, a kind of a, a quicker uh, um, quicker and with a bit more burst than Jarvis Landry, that kind of like, you know, good hands, but he gets away with the ball when he's got them in his hands, but then he's like, you know, got a little bit more um, 
buzz to, to get off the line as well. So really excited to, to watch how he develops. Definitely. Can't wait for that. In in uh, in terms of that matchup as well, I mean, Andy touched on it. Boston College's offense against Clemson's defense is going to be the matchup in that one. I believe Clemson are getting back their entire defense for this uh, next season. They didn't send a single defenseman to the draft, so that's that's big for them. Um, and yeah, love that Boston College O line just all coming back. Um, it's going to be one of the, the top units in in uh, in the Power Five. It's going to be a really really good uh, really good game that one. Mm. Yeah. Saturday, November 6th, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The Tigers come to play. It's going to be a very, very fun game. LSU actually has a defensive coordinator now who can tell his ass from his elbow. Derek Stingley, like I said, best cornerback in the country. I'm worried about LSU's offense this year. We've got a ton of weapons, but we don't. Look, I watched the spring game. There's no clear starter or quarterback. And it's not because they're bad. It's because they're all really, really good. Besides TJ Finley, but his ceiling is ridiculous. He's a project guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think if LSU start the season right, if we can go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, you remember what happened last time you went to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama? National Championship, baby. Everyone will be watching the Liberty Old Miss game anyway, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Should we move on then to to Heisman candidates? And obviously, you know, we'll we'll drum up the this this the schedule and things like that as it kind of draws closer and things like that over the next few weeks. But move on to like Heisman candidates. Just the just the quarterbacks. Anyone got any advances on the quarterbacks at all? You know, we've got Spencer Rattler. We're going to have Sam Howell, as we mentioned. Desmond Ridder maybe have an outside chance. Um, Maybe DJU at Clemson, you know, maybe if he has a really good start to the season and, and carries it on and gets that kind of momentum going. Any advance on his quarterbacks? Kieran, Kayvon, Andy. Sorry, go on. Kayvon Thibodeau and Derek Stingley. I'm trying not to do the homer okay. picks, but in terms of two of the best defensive players in college football right now, I think uh, Kayvon Thibodeau especially, you're probably looking at 15 to 20 sacks of him this season. He is, uh, yeah. Very yeah, wide big. eyes there, Lee. That is Yeah, that's a hot take. But then I think like Derek Stingley as well is probably going to lead college football in interceptions and pass breakups. And those are just as valuable on a down-by-down basis. So if, if you want defensive front runners, I think these are the two guys. You've got one of the best edge guys in the class and then one of the best cornerbacks in the class. And if any two positions on defense are going to sort of make a go at the Heisman, those are the guys to look at. So if, if, you're, not look, if you're looking at outside of quarterbacks uh, and defensive especially, I think those are the two guys to follow. Andy, did you only advance on that? I did. Uh, Bijan Robinson from Texas, man. Like the the hype is just like off the chain on 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 sort of college football Twitter at the moment, isn't it? And um, you kind of see why if you watch that last two games. Is it like 450 yards in the last two games he covered and uh, and just absolutely bruising. So really excited to see what he can do in that new Texas offense. Yeah, and um, seems like the guy to watch at running back this year. Yeah, um, same state, same position, Texas A&M running back uh, as I Spiller as well. Um, A&M's going to have as good an offensive line to run behind. And if they do run the ball as much as I think they're going to, and it works for him against SEC opponents, then um, yeah, a good season. He's going to be uh, right up there for uh, for Heisman votes in terms of non-quarterbacks. feels like we're coming into a bit of a, an age of 
like a good running back, you know, for the next couple of years in college football. Yeah, we, we've got quite a few. Some good tandems as well in in the Big Ten as well. Penn State got a couple of good ones, and yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. I think Michigan are probably going to run the ball first, but uh, yeah, the less said about their offense, the better, as you as you said earlier. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Raj. Well, who says a wide receiver can't do it two years in a row after waiting so long? Well, obviously Devonte Smith last year. Maybe put someone up there like Chris Olave, like he, he he could have declared last year, but he's coming back for a new season. Obviously, he's got the Garrett Wilson opposite him, but I, I he is so good. And just talk about the wide receivers next year. I'm so excited by the class. It's, everyone talks about oh, the year the year before was a great class, but I think this year you've got more of the the prototypical wide receivers with. Uh, trade on Burks and Garrett Wilson and hopefully Justin Ross comes back and hopefully his, his back injuries all hey, good. Sean and, Day. Uh, <laughs> 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 have, to, have to get an LSU player in. Um but yeah no it's uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Crystal Larve he, he I just he's just such he's I, he's such a good receiver. He's, I think he's got it all. Um, and don't be surprised maybe if, if another wide receiver gets gets the Heisman especially for uh, highest they beat. Yeah, they're, they're going to potentially have a really potent offense, aren't they, with Wilson and, and Olave opposite each other? You're right, actually, Raj. It is the sort of year of the big man coming back, isn't it? As well, with with the few of these coming out. Obviously, we we spoke obviously throughout the scouting pod and obviously our draft coverage that a lot of small guys and a lot of slot receivers, but not a lot of big guys in the the draft just gone. But yeah, there's definitely going to be quite a few. It's going to be like reverting to type almost. And I'll throw the hat of uh, Drake London in there as well from the USC um, as another. Yeah. There's another big guy. I think he's a bit of a Mike Evans clone, yeah. if I'm honest. Um, yeah, Keelan Slovis is going to be relying on Drake London heavily next year, and he—he's he, a bit—he's a beast. You should watch, watch his tape when he his yards after the catch is bullying defenders um, and taking defenders with him. He's—he's—he's he's he's an absolute beast. He—he he, he could even be like a hybrid tight end. Is that he's—he's absolutely huge. And um, yeah, like you said, there's a prototypical wide receiver this year. And again, it's—it's—it's a, it's a, it's a great. There's some great talent out there. Hmm. Absolutely. Go ahead, Ed. I say if we're going down the running back route, I think obviously Brees Hall is the obvious one at Iowa State. But I think like Kyron Williams at Notre Dame had such a good season in 2020. And look, now Ian Book's out of the way, Jack Cohen's at the helm. I think they're going to be running the ball a lot. And the offensive line won't be bad at Notre Dame. The offensive line at Notre Dame is never bad. Mm. It won't be as good as last year, whereas the best in the country, but it will be good. And I think Kyron Williams will have you know, potentially a very strong season. Obviously, like we with the Heisman, you kind of have to play a certain position to you know actually actually win it. But I think if we're if we're looking at a guy who could be you know one of the best offensive players in the country, I think Michael Mayer, uh, the, the tight end at Notre Dame had such a such a good 2020. Uh, and I think he, you know, given that Notre Dame don't have wide receivers uh, and they're looking to throw the ball a bit more, he's a guy who's going to get a high volume tar- of targets, high volume of yards. Yeah, he he's going to be the best tight. He's going to be one of the best tight ends in college football. I think he's a guy that over the next couple of years probably never win the Heisman, obviously because he's a tight end, but will definitely you know be one of those. If we're just looking at receivers, he'll be one of the guys getting the most yards because he is. So so talented. Notre Dame's, you know, weapons. You know, they're they're trying to recruit more receivers and tight ends. They got, we've got a couple of good ones coming in, but they're not going to be coming in for a couple of years. So, Michael Mayer, Kyron Williams are going to, are going to be. I think will be big, huge breakout guys in twenty twenty one. 
Maybe another, obviously, defensive player is probably never, ever going to win the Heisman, not in a million years. But I think Kyle Hamilton, who's going to be on for a big season if we're talking about Notre Dame as well. Obviously, safety is not never, you know, it's a massive outside chance. Obviously, if he's going to be a defender, it's going to be an edge guy, most likely. If he, you know, if, if Thibodeau does get 20 sacks, as Kieran said, he's going to be in with a shout. But um, obviously, a massive tall order for that. But yeah, Kyle Hamilton, definitely one to watch. 15 to 20. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> not taking it that hard. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I'll hold my hands up to that one. I kind of went for the upper end of your, your scale there. Um, but no, what about your boy, Jaden Daniels, over at Arizona State? Obviously, we've got Arizona State ranked 24. You know, the Pac-12 is always a, a, a conference that can beat each other and things like that. What about what about him, mate? A little bit disappointing last year, weren't he? But hmm. then again, the, the Pac-12 was uncharacteristically a little bit unprofessional and a little bit of a mess last year Uh, and I think that's sort of what it was I think if we'd have had maybe a full season without COVID or something he definitely would have looked a lot better but then you know a lot of things happened last year that a lot of players didn't expect people were getting COVID players weren't able to train as much and I think anyone who's seen Jaden Daniels play and then you watch spring games and stuff like that, he is incredibly talented. And I think over the next year or so, he's going to look at putting himself into that first round conversation if he can build uh, upon, upon what we've already seen. He's got talent around him. He's got talented coaches, talented coaching staff. I just, I want him to put a little bit more weight on. I am worried about a kid being 185 pounds at quarterback. I know you've gotten me about... Um, Devonta Smith being, you know, like 120 pounds or whatever the fuck it was. But yeah, 185 pounds, you do not want to be hit by edge guys. Uh, so hopefully he can pack a bit of muscle on. But yeah, I, I think he's going to be fantastic. We've seen he's clearly got arm talent. He clearly can run for it as well. I wouldn't class him as a dual threat just because he does like to stand in the pocket. Um, but Arizona State have a chance of being one of the top teams in the Pac-12 if... Jane Daniels can finally put it all together. And obviously we'll, we'll fast forward to the sort of middle of August and I can't wait for the D. Eric King hype train to kick off again, yet again, as it always does every single year. Why is it like his sixth year in college football now? He'll probably be back for another year next year. 30, well. 35, isn't he? Yeah, he's older than me, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, obviously, like I said, we'll come on, we'll come on to all these topics. Um, a little bit more in more detail later on down the line. But yeah, we just want to kind of have a bit of look ahead tonight uh, to next year's college football slate as we kind of put the draft behind us. As I said, we're on the UK time as Liam put it earlier on just before we got on chatting. Um, but obviously the, the thing that we need to kind of close out with really is obviously on Wednesday, we announced our big rebrand of the full time yard. So obviously we've got a new logo, we've got a new website. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of good content, a lot of really, really up in our game, really, up in up into a next level, really, in our content. And uh, obviously the six of us are going to be right there at the forefront of it all the way through the college football season and obviously contributing other areas as well um, on the other sides of the full 10 yards. So if you've not already, go up to the new website, have a little browse around it. It looks fantastic. I think we can all agree on that. And there's plenty more to come, as I mentioned. I think um, on the day it came out, on Wednesday or Thursday morning, we also released some NFL schedule uh, backgrounds. I think we had desktop, and I think we're working on the phone uh, versions of those as well, and they look really smart as well. So, yeah, go over to Fulton Yards, download those. They're all for free. Um, and like I say, have a look at the website and, and stay for some good content as well, because I'm sure there'll be plenty from us coming out very, very soon. But, yeah, lads, nice and quick one. Obviously, just having a look ahead. Um, we'll get out of here. Let's give out some handles. Let's tell us where we can find them. And let's tell us, you know, if there's anything on the horizon content-wise that we're putting on our brand spanking new website. 
Raj, I'll start with you. Tell us where we can find you and anything that you might be cooking up. Find me at the Garch on Twitter. Um, yeah, like Lee echoed, come visit the website as well. There's going to be great content coming out. I'm um, looking to do an article in the next couple of weeks about um, the impact of uh, the receiving talent that's sort of gone from uh, for both Sam Howell and um, in Alabama as well for, to Bryce Young. Um, in terms of how that's going to affect their season, especially with Sam Howell and how that's going to affect his status in the upcoming draft. Um, so that's an interesting take. Um, and yeah, just give us a follow. And yeah, any any ideas you want us to talk about in the pod, give us, let us know and we, we can always discuss that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, completely. And that sounds like a really great article, so I can't wait to read that one. Liam, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me at Liam66NFL. Loads of NFL, loads of college football. Um, yeah, check out the new Full 10 Yards uh, website. Um, everything college football for me will be just uh, more of the same of what we just discussed, just getting ready for the new season. There'll be um, conference previews. Um, yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be looking forward to what's going to be a really, really good season, I think, in college football this year. Mm. Yeah, after last week off, I feel a bit like cleansed. I feel like I'm ready to kind of dive into the tape and get on to get on to next season now, as, as, even though the draft's only a couple of weeks away. Trying to stick away from it always being draft <laughs> season, and like, because yeah, we're, there's probably going to be like uh, some scouting notebooks throughout the season as as the games come in and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Awesome, Andy. What about yourself? Yeah, uh, AJ Moore 21 on Twitter. Actually, just let's go back to Liam for a second. Uh, Liam's uh, top 100. Liam, just tell us, like, you obviously you absolutely nailed the uh, top 100 with your predictions team. Take a bit of credit for that, man, and, and tell us where we can have a look at that quickly. I was a, officially invited to the Huddle Report's top 100. Thank you, Andy. Um, a score of 82 on the Huddle Report's top 100. Um, yeah. I like to do it every year and getting an invite to officially do it and and uh, nailing it after our our really good year of producing the scouting guide and everything. Yeah, it worked out really well. Some big names uh, like Dane Brugler, Mel Kuyper, Pro Football Network couldn't score 82, but I it was, so that was nice to take a few scouts as well. Uh, so yeah, cheers for that, Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good one. That's right, mate. The only reason I, I did that was because the uh, Blue Jays just won and I was waiting for them to throw the last pitch to confirm it. So there you go. Um, so, <laughs> AJ Moore 21 for me, uh, Dolphin UK underscore pod. Uh, you know, really excited about Dolphin stuff. Obviously, Dolphin's coming back to London as well. So um, that's all very exciting. Um, I'm just about finished with an article looking at kind of historical comparisons to uh, what Alabama are going to be facing coming into this season off the back of an unbeaten uh, historic year, losing the quarterback, losing a lot of talent, losing a lot of coaching staff. I'm looking back at some of the other teams to have faced that sort of thing, such as uh, the 2005 Texas team. So uh, just to kind of see what lessons that can be learned from that so that's been quite an interesting deep dive and uh, looking forward to, to sharing that with you all awesome that sounds that sounds like a top top article to come out so yeah i can't wait to read that one as well ed what about yourself uh, i'm at paradise on twitter i've got an article coming out soon about um rejigging the college football playoff and my idea to how on how to do that so looking forward to that and i'm also going to do one on the future of Notre Dame football as they look to uh, up their recruiting and try and get more receiving talent out there and how they're trying to change their offense moving forward. I might do uh, an article about 
um, triple option soon because I've been watching a lot of triple option teams for some reason. So I might talk a bit about the evolution of the triple option in Coastal Carolina and how uh, Army might look to uh, other triple option teams might look to expand the the playbook further moving forward. Awesome. Sounds like a very varied amount of work that you've got going on there, but it sounds great all nonetheless. But yeah, fantastic. Can't wait to read that as well. Kevin, what about yourself, lastly? Yeah, at the Himbo F10Y, probably just talking about LSU a lot this season. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a sort of catharsis for me after last season. We've got a lot to look forward to. And obviously I did the article about TJ Finley leaving. So you can check out a couple schools on there. Her every school I listed on that list is definitely worth a watch as well. Mm. Um Liam can agree, especially with the Liberty pick. So so go check that out, full ten yards.com. Uh, reader's own website looks fantastic absolutely not not fancy diversifying writing about any other teams or anything like that <laughs> or is oh, that blasphemy in, in your eyes oh I, I will mate but um <laughs> as sorry right, mate do you do you we'll mate? give it some time <laughs> like you say you've got to get it out out your system won't you um Yes, I'm for myself um, at Wakefield90 on Twitter and usually behind at Full10YardCFB as well for the home handle. Um, but like I say, yeah, I just want to second all the guys. Um, Block 10 4 website looks fantastic. Go over, get your, get your calendars and, and like I say, look out for all this fantastic content that you've just like, kind of heard that these guys are going to be writing. Um, for myself, in terms of article-wise, obviously the Pac-12, kind of my home conference, so to speak, have just announced their new commissioner. So I might have a little look into what that means for the, the conference. Obviously, Larry Scott wasn't a fantastic commissioner for the Pac-12 for many years, but is this going to get better under the new guy, George Kiarkov? Um, who knows? I'll still have a bit of a dig in and like I say, see what I come up with on that one. Um, but yeah, like I say, thanks for listening. Uh, keep with us and uh, yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.